Hi, welcome to the cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches and glories in Christ Jesus. We regularly work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above, here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at dken.cc. That is thecottage at dken.cc. To see the sermon slides, you must use the Spotify app. They will appear in a video. Hi, welcome back to the cottage. We're continuing our Walking with Abraham series, where we're talking about where we talk about the God who sees when no one else sees in Genesis chapter 16. We're going to talk about we're in Genesis 16 and the God who sees tonight, and we're 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 following Abraham. We're walking with Abraham, and I'm hoping that somehow when you walk with Abraham, obviously we're not Abraham, but we do fellowship with Abraham's God. And so the Bible is how God chooses to reveal himself to us. And we know that if God did this for Abraham, that God can similarly do things for us in the same manner. And so um, we've been in Genesis 16 today, and it's the story when Sarah takes her slave, her servant, Hagar, and offers Hagar to Abraham so that Abraham can sire a child, and we went through, and that's legitimately, legally, what they can do. As a matter of fact, I told you in Nepal, and and I guess still in India, I'm not sure, but I ran across it in Nepal. They still do this. They still do this. I did ask the strange question one time, and I can't remember the answer I got, because the look on my wife's face about caused me to fall over. But I said, can a wife have multiple husbands? And she's like, what? <laughs> It's like, how's it work over here? She's like, she gave me a look out of this world. So I don't ever remember if I got an answer or not. But it's, uh, but anyway. So, but this is, you know, you've got to understand over there, a son is everything. You know, and I don't know how the one child policy in China has worked out for China. It doesn't sound like it's worked out too well. But then if you end up getting a daughter, it's devastating because then you can't have a son. And... Everything is run through a patriarchal matrix, and so the men, you know, have everything and the rights, so it's, it's difficult. And so, Abraham does the deed. He's sighing a child through Hagar to legally, he has to do this because he's trying to figure out a way. Remember, we talked about this morning, they're trying to help God out. You know, and he's, you know, okay, this is what God wants. Remember, Abraham has a lot of pressure. I mean, God has said, through you, I'm going to do all this. So Abraham's like under a ton of pressure because it's not happening. And God says all this, and this is supposed to happen, and i got to have a child for it to happen. And so how do we do this? Of course, he's, I don't know if he's sharing with Sarah uh, everything. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't, however that goes. But So they're struggling. And this is, like I said, in the ancient world, this is a custom that is legitimate. Among all those people, it's culturally repulsive, I guess, to us. I don't know anymore, because <laughs> we can't even figure out 
Which bathroom do you... I'm so confused now about things today, but, you know, it's just strange to us. But for them in that culture, and I want to point that out for a moment before we proceed, that we have to understand biblically the Bible. God is meeting those people where they're at. Okay? He's meeting those people where they're at in their context. So it's kind of like the prodigal son who returns home and the father meets him on the way. God is meeting these people in the Bible along their way. But generations and generations and centuries have passed that we as a people of God have grown and we've matured to the point that, you know, Slavery and things like that. Of course, this kind of slavery is not what we think of it. Oftentimes, it's economic situation that puts them in plight. And we discussed this at length uh, a little bit this morning. You get that to understand how, you know, the whole issue of Hagar and coming out of Egypt and everything. So Abraham does, and she conceived. And when she saw she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. So now she sees, you know, I'm pregnant. And I've got the heir. In other words, my son is going to have everything. And so she's pregnant at this time. Obviously, she doesn't know if she has a son or not, because how do you know? It's 50-50. But she's at least saying, I have a child. So, I mean, it could have been she didn't have one of them. The problem was biologically with Abraham. But now we know for sure that Abraham can sire a child because she's pregnant. Okay, And we went through Tamar. We went through the story of Tamar when we did the genealogy of Jesus. We talked about Ruth and Rahab this morning a little bit. But Tamar, what she had to do when her husband died and then the next husband died and then Jacob did not want to give his third child to her. So then what she did with Jacob and how that all, that story unraveled. So you know, she's trying her best, Hagar, to see her needs. She was a slave in Egypt, possibly, and given over to Sarah. Okay? Given over to Sarah. Probably in that deal that happened down there, as we discussed this morning. And so, she is trying to see now how she can better her life. And of course, when Ishmael is born, you know, this is going to be exciting, because he's the heir, and then she's his mother, so that's great. You know? Things are going to be well for me and for my son. And so, and Abraham, she's obviously looking around saying, Abraham's blessed. She may, I don't know if she was taught Genesis chapter 12, but what I can do say is she's seen Genesis chapter 12. This guy takes 300 men and goes saves his nephew. Five kings lost to these four kings, and he goes and beats all four kings. It's kind of like he beat all nine of them then, because he could do what the five couldn't do, and he beat the four. So, obviously, Hagar's like, wow, I'm rolling here. And then, so with her eyes, she begins to despise Sarah. And how she does it plays it out. The Bible doesn't give the details. But we, we talked about that some this morning. And verse 5, we're in Genesis 16 again. And Sarah said to Abraham, my wrong be upon thee. I'm turning to you. Mistake. Fix it. I've given my maiden to thy bosom. And when she saw that she conceived, I was despised in her eyes. Now the Lord needs a judge between me and you. 
What's going on here? Because I can't continue like this. So there's this, this going on with the eyes. There's this seeing things. And how Sarah is now seeing her situation after she's tried to help God out. And so, what do we see? And what do you see in the story? And I'm always fascinated. I always go to that. I've mentioned it many times. Where God tells the prophets. What do you see? God wants to hear. God knows the vision he gave. But what do you see? So what do you see as we walk with Abraham? What do you see in this story? And what we're going to see as we go forward here? Okay, what we're going to see. Because now Sarah wants to punish Hagar. We went into that again this morning. How that punishment might be kind of, uh, at least it's, it's a foreshadowing of what's going to happen in Egypt later. Obviously, while it's looking back at what's already happened down in Egypt. So, Genesis 16.6. This is where we left off this morning. But Abram said unto Sarah, Behold, thy maid is in thine hand, dear to her as pleases. And when Sarah dealt hardly with her, then what happens? Hagar fled from her face. Now, Hagar has left. Hagar's quit her job. She's left. She's out. She's pregnant. She's going, I, uh, presumably, back to Egypt, I guess, to see if she can figure out a way down there to be, be a servant again or what. Carrying that child, interestingly, that they worked so hard to get. And she's left. And that's where we left off. So now we need to go to verse 7. Okay? It says, And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to shore. Of course, she's moving through the wilderness. Remember, Moses is going to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of the wilderness. They're going to be constantly saying, where do we get water? Where do we get food? Well, she's got to do the same thing. Now, we talked about this earlier when we went through the trees, and I want to revisit some of that. That Abraham, as he's traveling, as he's moving about, wandering about as a nomad, he's traveling from place to place to place. What's happening? He's finding himself wherever there's life. Wherever, you know, obviously, he's got to find an oasis. He's got to find water for his animals. And where there's water, there's vegetation, which means there's food. There's other animals that probably can be killed. So he's moving about trying to find this, okay? So she's doing the same thing. And so she has stopped somewhere in the wilderness... By a fountain of water. And again, remember, that reminds us of new creation because the creation initially was we had a world without water in Genesis 2 and God then brought the water. He made mud. And out of that mud, he breathed his life and humanity came forth. Adam came out of that where God touched the earth using water just like Jesus did when he healed the blind man. It's going back to Genesis 2 where Whenever God touches something that's dead, life comes forth. As a matter of fact, that's what God commanded Adam and Eve when he kicked them out of the garden. To go into the wilderness and bring life from the ground through irrigation. Use irrigation and work the land and bring life out of it. Okay, so this is what we're... She has... Now the angel of the Lord, a messenger, something from God. Now is this the angel of the Lord? As in Jesus Christ in the Old Testament? At any rate, 
This is God has not lost sight of Hagar. Whatever this being is, at least that being was sent by God. So she doesn't know what to do, but God is seeing her. God is watching. And God meets her here. Okay? God meets her here. Now we're in chapter 16, skip down to verse 11. Genesis 16, 11. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son. Now we know it's a son, or at least she does. We always knew because we've already heard the rest of the story. And thou shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard thy affliction. So this is the story of Ishmael. Now, it's amazing. If you know anything about Islam or the Quran, do you know anything about Islam or the Quran? Islam and the Quran is basically Muhammad. Now this is interesting because I'm not sure exactly if I got it right, but from what I understand, when I had to uh, be in India and there was they taught some of this stuff in the classes there, the government of India, and the government of India was trying to, you know, bridge the gap between the Hindus and Muslims and everything. But now they have a Hindu majority, obviously, so the Hindu government's coming down strong. But basically, if I understood those teachings right, if I understood what they said, is that Muhammad went around and kind of studied all the religions in his area, and then he went off and had his vision. He writes it down on banana leaves. So you get bananas, well, where's the leaves? You've got to get the and, and of course, all the leaves are gone, and they have to come up with what he taught. And so you have two schools of thought on what he taught. One was by his daughter because he had no son. And the others were by his, his male leadership to bring forth the story. And so when you get the Quran and it tells the story of Abraham, it's very ambiguous as to which child goes up on the mountain and God offers, asks for a sacrifice. If it was, it doesn't say, the Quran doesn't ever say which son it is. The Bible says Isaac. And the Bible teaches us here a little bit about, and then later on, what's going to happen to Ishmael later on. Okay? The Bible's teaching us this. But the Quran doesn't really ever name that son. So they don't really come out and say the Quran says it was, but a lot of Muslims will try to say it was Ishmael that was on the mountain. It's called the Akidah, where Abraham makes the sacrifice that God commanded him. So here we have Ishmael. Okay, we have Ishmael. And like I said, he's the firstborn, he's the favored son and everything. But this is through humans trying to help God out in the flesh, Ishmael. Now the angel of the Lord speaks to her, telling her, A, you have a son. B, this is what you should name him. Okay, why? Because, because what? Shema. Shema. Heard. That's that hero Israel, the Lord our God. Shema. That's their Lord's Prayer. That's what they pray. That's on the boxes outside the doors of their house. They kiss before they leave. That's on the boxes in their heads and their arms when they pray. The Shema. Deuteronomy 6. Hero Israel. Jesus said, what's the greatest commandment? He said, the Shema. Hero Israel, the Lord our God. So his name is, you've been heard. God has heard you, Hagar. God hears you. 
because the next one is heard, we have the Lord, and it happened to be El. Now, the Lord here is Yahweh, but El is the word for God. God hears you. Why am I doing this? Because in Genesis 16, God stops everything to tell us the story of Hagar. Why? Why do we need, need to know this story? What's the purpose of it all? But God hears. A mistake has been made, but God hears. El is God. Shema hears. And ish, I could be my, it could work out that my God hears, or God has heard me. Okay? So she's out there along the way, and God hears. Now, pause for a minute. Here we are, we're in Genesis 16, we're in verse 11, and the angel of the Lord visits Hagar, not going to Sarah, not going to Abraham. Hagar, an Egyptian's life, and says, I hear you. God will hear the least. God will hear the least. Let's pause for a minute. We need to rewind before we move next forward in the story. Abraham passed through the land, it says in Genesis 12, 6, under the place of Sechem, that's Shechem actually, unto the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And we talked about that plain of Morah, we talked about it, go back to the ones I did on the trees, the message I did on the trees, you can go back to your notes there, and actually this is the oak of seeing, or oak of teaching. Why? Because it's here where God began to speak more clearly to Abraham. Abraham heard God in Genesis chapter 11. He heard God. He left Ur along with his father. They heard God. And then he hung out for a little while in Haran and heard God to go into the promised land. But it is here he sets up shop in verse 6 of chapter 12 where he begins to see what God is the vision that God has given him. He's hearing God, but now he's seeing. It's the oak of seeing. God who sees. God you can see and meet on mountains. He'll, he'll shortly after this verse, we went through all this, so you can go back and get that message. He goes to Bethel, and that's on the mountain, and he, house of God. El, God, Beit, house. So right after this, he sets up shop on a mountain. So it's in mountains where the earth and heaven meet that Abraham is journeying and he's meeting with God on the mountain. It's at these places where there is water, where there's life, where God has touched the ground, where pilgrims can move from place to place throughout the wilderness in these oases and find shelter. Shelter. But it's the oak of seeing. God then, who shows himself and is seen by Abraham on mountains, here at the oak of seeing, is showing himself. And now an angel has appeared before Hagar. Chapter 13, verse 18, we did it again. Now again, let me go back. Genesis 12, 6, more. That more is the seeing part. The plain word in King James is also could be mean oak. And it's oak, which is what we understand it to be. 
Here we are at the Oak of Sing again, Mamre. It's only one letter difference in the Hebrew alphabet, but it's still got this idea of seeing. It's still got this idea of seeing. Then Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar to the Lord. Abraham is setting shop because this is where God has come down. And it's reminding us of the original tree of life. The original tree of life that God wanted them to partake of. That where there is life, God has come down and touched the earth and brought life out of it. So he gave the tree of life. He gave the garden of Eden. And then he's asking Adam and Eve to go out and take and make the same earth and bring life out of the earth. Create, be creative, do things. It's the scene. It's the scene. And again, it's in the Hebrew. Inside these words, Mamre, More, it's seeing. And this is where you're going to see God. And now Hagar is going to end up seeing God. In this place. In Genesis chapter 14. Again we have him at the plain of Mamre. This oak of seeing. And there came one that escaped and told Abraham. For he dwelt in the plain of Mamre. So it's still. He's still there in chapter 14. And this is where he finds out about Lot. And because he's at the oak of seeing, because he's at a place where God can teach him, where God can show him, where he can see things, because he's there. He's at that oak. He's, he's, it's a representation of Abraham and his fellowship with God in the wilderness. Then he gets the victory in Genesis chapter 14. Because there he is in connection with God. Genesis 15, 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision. Vision, we're having this language again, to see. To see. He's seeing. We went through all, we spent so much time on Genesis 15. God is speaking and Abraham can see. The vision. See. Such that, Genesis chapter 20, verse 7, later on, Now therefore restore this man his wife. This is again where Abraham and Sarah, I don't understand it. Abraham offers his wife to another king. For he is a prophet. Abraham has visions. Abraham's a prophet. Abraham can see God. The Jews think that Abraham ascended unto the heavens, just like Paul in 2 Corinthians 12. Just like Isaiah in Isaiah 6. And went up, and they call it. They wrote a whole thing about it called the Ascension of Abraham. That Abraham went up to the third heaven. And actually, when he's up there in Genesis 15, when God tells him to count the stars, he's looking down at the stars because he's up in heaven. Because God, the Jews say, he took him outside, not outside like his tent, outside just look at the sky, but outside of our reality. But that's how the Jews look at it. That's what they say. It's not in our Bible, but that's how they understood it. Okay? The people that read the Bible, that's their story. He's a prophet. He can see. A prophet can see. Now we're in Genesis 16, verse 13. Now I want to move slowly through this. Because I went way too fast, I think, before. So I'm trying to slow it down a little bit. And she called... 
The angel of the Lord there is, and she's going to have a son, Ishmael. Genesis sixteen thirteen, and she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her. God speaking to her, thou God seest me. She's got to name him. She doesn't know him by Yahweh. She doesn't know his name. She may have known him through somewhat of what maybe Abraham and the family, what they might have done to teach. I don't know if they taught the servants. I don't know what they taught the servants. She was a foreign Egyptian slave. Did Sarah teach her about God? Did she hear understand God? Was she a part of the worship experience that Abraham would have? Would he have it with his entire group? I don't know. We don't know these things necessarily. But now she says, Wow! I thought I was all alone. And I'm out here in the wilderness. I'm totally vulnerable. I'm pregnant. Don't know how far. Have no idea how far pregnant she is along. But I'm pregnant. My child is vulnerable with me. I should be eating food to nourish the child. So the child in me is going to grow up strong. And I'm all by myself. And any man can come along and capture me and take me and do whatever he wants with me. I'm all alone. Remember we talked about Genesis 15. How God was alone walking through the, the animals. Well, now Hagar is alone, but she says, I'm not alone. God sees me. She didn't know what to call him, so she says, you're the God that sees me. That's that word, El Roy. El Roy. The God who sees me. El is God. Roy is, again, a part of that seeing language. We again, look at verse six, uh, 13 of chapter 16. Have I also... Here looked after him that seeth me. Seeth me. Have I looked upon the God that is looking upon me? How is this possible? I'm an Egyptian slave. Now Abraham's the prophet. I'm a slave. I'm a woman. I'm an Egyptian. you see me. You are the God who sees. You see me. There is in the Hebrew to see. All this is behind this terminology. More, mamre, everything, that word, the language of seeing. Matter of fact, Samuel, who's called the prophet, more times out of, more times he's called a seer. They call Samuel a seer more than they call him prophet. Because he's seen God. God is standing before him. Remember he first, get this, first Hagar heard, then she saw. First Abraham heard, then he began to see. Samuel heard three times. Samuel, Samuel. He heard first, he heard. Samuel is that Shema. Shema'el. Without the ish in front of it. Without the I in front. Ishmael and Samuel are really close in Hebrew. Really close in Hebrew. Shmael. Shmuel is actually. Samuel. It's El. I heard God. But then he begins to see God. And then everybody begins to understand that, hey, Samuel can see God. 
Because they begin to see all the stuff that Samuel does. Amazing things. The power of God through Samuel. So, rather than use the word prophet Navi in the Hebrew, they use seer. Right. They use to see. And she's saying, you, not only do you see me, But you revealed yourself to me that I can see you. It's all the same. It's all that seeing language. I call you the God who sees and you see me. Wow. Not only do you see me, but you let me see you. Not just calling in an order and telling her, do this, do that, wash my clothes, blah, blah, blah. No. That's what she's used to. She's a servant. But not only are you seeing me, but you're letting me see you. It reminds me of the whole thing we did in Joel. Remember how long we spent in Joel chapter 1 and chapter 2 in the book of Acts? Acts 2.17 it shall come to pass. About, uh, it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. We went through that. Go back to our series on Joel chapter two. We went through all this. It's all flesh, even Egyptian slave women. She's an Egyptian, not good. Slave, not good. A woman, not. I mean, there's nothing about this situation. All flesh. I will pour my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants, on my handmaids, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, they shall prophesy. Are you beginning to see what Genesis 16 is teaching? Are you beginning to see? Now, we have this, right? Although someone said, wow, there's a little white space back here. That's nice. Praise the Lord. But still. And we can start with ourselves. What does Acts 1 8 says? That we're witnesses empowered by God in our Jerusalem, Judea. Samaria to the utter ends of the earth. So let's start with us. Do you realize how much God sees? You. That ought to tell you right there. If you were it, he would have died for you. They always say that. If, if, if there's only one person, Jesus would have died for that one person. The only problem with that story is that one person would have to put Jesus on the cross. Mm, tough to think about that. But he still sees us. He sees! He sees you. If he sees 
Abraham. Okay, it's Abraham. All right, Abraham. He's this big guy. Hebrews 11, Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. They're talking about Abraham in John 8. We went through Abraham, Abraham. Oh, yeah, the great Abraham. I mean, the largest religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, the three big religions of the world are all attached to Abraham. Okay. But God sees Hagar. And if God sees Hagar, he sees you! He sees you. It's like Jubilee. Praise God for FaceTime. Daddy, can you see me? Can you see me? My daddy sees me. Morning and evening, my daddy sees me. God sees you. Can you catch that vision? The servants, the handmaidens, she's a handmaiden. Joel prophesies handmaid. Why? Because God did it in Genesis 16 for Hagar. And what God will do for Hagar, he prophesied in Joel. And Peter picks it up and says, on the handmaiden. If there's one thing you can get tonight, New Jerusalem, is that God sees you. Secondly, Judea. <laughs> God sees them. They may not be here. We may not see them. They can't be here tonight. For whatever reason. That's why we record these. Robert was hoping to make it tonight. Apparently he didn't. But he'll get the recording. But God sees them. And we got to help them sometimes. Because sometimes people can't see God. And we got to help them to see God. Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Samaritans. That's a whole racial thing. What have we got? Egyptian, Samaritan. God loves them. God puts the brakes on in Genesis 16 to the story of Abraham where Sarah and Abraham make this big mess and Hagar is more than happy to oblige because hey, you know, I got to do what I got to do to get up in this world because I'm an Egyptian slave. Now she's got to be blessed and so much better in the house of Abraham than she was down in Egypt. So she's already super blessed. But then this whole incident goes down and all goes south. And that's where she's headed. She went south to get away from them. Everything went south. And she's out there all alone now. Pregnant. Vulnerable. The animals can eat her. Any man can come along and have their way. If you see, I told you that the Amazon Prime's got that movie. Uh, His Only Son. You can see as Abraham's journey to make the sacrifice with Isaac, the trouble that he runs across along the road. It's treacherous to make this journey. She's making it by herself. And how much food can she carry on her own? And I'm sure they didn't give her the Cadillac, the keys to the Cadillac. I don't think she's riding a donkey. 
that Mary got to ride to Bethlehem. I imagine she fled with very little. Samaritan. God sees them. The question we have tonight is, how do we see them? Are we like Sarah? How do we see those people? How do we see the Hagar's? I have made you witness to Jerusalem. Yes, here, helping each other. Sometimes I can't see God and my head goes off and somebody's got to remind me. Wait a minute now. To Judea. I went to a program in Bunker Hill, the Baptist Church. Yeah, we can reach out to others that know Jesus and other Christians. Okay. But to Samaritans? To Egyptian slaves? To Hagar's? God, you see them. Maybe we need to ask God if we can see them and help them see God sees them. To the point that Acts 1.8 says to the other ends of the earth and that's why we got missionaries to reach out all across the world to any tribe, tongue, people because God says I want all flesh. I want to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. This is the last days. We want the spirit of God to be upon all. Everybody. How do we let them know? Because there's not very many people seeing God today. They're not seeing God today. We ourselves are having trouble seeing God. We're going, oh my goodness. Where is God at in all this mess? Take from Genesis 16. That God sees you. And be like Hagar. And maybe, as dad keeps praying, maybe it's time for us to have a chance for us to see God. He prayed that the Holy Spirit would be seen among all of these. It's one thing to see God in His Word. It's one thing to know that God is hearing us and God sees us. But oftentimes we fail with all of this going on that we stop and we are able to see God for ourselves. And He sent a messenger. And she says, Elroy, the God who sees, let me see him. Remember, Abraham seen him in a vision. We talked about that this morning in Genesis 15. Remember, Moses sees the Lord passing by. We talked about that this morning in Sunday school. Well, guess what? Hagar says, you let me see you. Think about that this week. And say, God, can you roll back the clouds a little bit? I need some sunshine. Can I see you? Can I see you? The sun's done. Now we give the sun to Jubilee. (laughs) We take the moon. We pass it out. And it goes on and on. Help people see God. Help them understand. It's our mission to the other ends of the earth. 
that Elroy is still on the throne. And he wants to be seen. He's like daddy hiding behind the curtain with his big feet sticking out. God wants you to see him. He wants to be found. We sing the song, I'm lost and now I'm found. God says, I want to be found. I want you to see me. Let's pray this week. Father, we want to see you. We know what your word says that you see. <laughs> and no greater chapter could be than he, this chapter in Genesis 16. Of a terrible situation gone way wrong. And yet you're seeing. And you want to be seen by Hagar. An Egyptian slave. A woman. A woman sees you. Oh, just like Jesus at the well. With the woman at the well. And she had how many husbands? And the one she was living with at that moment was not even her husband. And yet you saw her. Let us not miss this moment. Open our eyes that we see more of you and we see more Hagar's that we can help to get them to see you. Not be like Sarah, overly angry at them and harsh toward them, but help them to see who you are and get them on back, back on track. Just like we mapped out repentance because Hagar is going to go back home to Sarah and Abraham. She's going to have her child. She's going to get back on track because she's seen you and you have met her in the way. Help us to see this God, you, Elroy, and help us to see you and help others that are blind to catch a glimpse of heaven. In Jesus' my name we pray, hallelujah. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. You can find out more about us at dken.cc. That's D-K-E-N dot C-C. We look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you.